This is Charisma Connection, and I'm Steve Green. In the studio with us by way of telephone is a friend of ours, Bruce Campbell, who's the author of The Beginning, Prelude to the Apocalypse. Well, Bruce, welcome to the Charisma Podcast Network. It is a joy and a pleasure, my brother, to be with y'all. Well, there's so much we have to talk about. You've done so much in your career, in your ministry. And so let's start at the beginning. Just give us a little bit about, I guess, how you got to the book and your ministry, where you began this journey. Wow, this uh, this goes way back to uh, to a life of sin. <laughs> when uh, I was about twelve years old and gave my heart to Jesus, and then um, my mother married an atheist, and this and that happened. Of course, as you might suspect, you tend to fall away from the things of God when you're in an environment that doesn't have any influence of God in it. And uh, so we grew up pretty wild. We uh, lived in an orphanage for a season when we were children. Um, you know, life without Christ is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And um, had a near-death experience at age 16, and uh, that's on YouTube and some other things. And then got delivered from the power of addiction at age 22. Now, when that happened, then I, I left everything. I was uh, working as a chef in a restaurant left everything to pursue God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. So all through those years, we went through college, through seminary, got a Master of Divinity degree, and began to, uh, did, you know, revivals, uh, evangelism, uh, pastored in churches, uh, youth ministry, and a lot of different hats. Yeah, I, I think most ministers out there have worn some different hats. Yes. But uh, it came to a place where, uh, as I was in a traditional church, and miracles began to happen. And it, it didn't set too well with some folks, but we had people that were healed of cancer, uh, two people that were healed of cancer that were both given death sentences. And um, just a few weeks after praying over them, there was no cancer left in their body, verified by the hospitals they were being treated uh, we had people that just the power of God came and uh, kind of blew away everybody's uh, theology, for one thing, because <laughs> the the New Testament became alive. And so this is all kind of a, a lead-up to the book itself. And what happened then is we began to talk about how the Bible is so real. You know, it's not a book of 2,000 years ago. It's a book of today. Yes. And the power of our God is as much alive today as it was 2,000 years ago. And we saw the evidence of his power. We saw people being set free. We saw people being empowered by the Spirit. Uh, We saw people healed. And it was an amazing reality. And we got to talking about, uh, you know, some of the characters of the Bible. How amazing is it that... uh, Moses and David, who was a murderer and a an adulterer and a murderer, and God yet, yet used these men, and not the kind of people we might choose, and yet God can choose to use us and draw us out of a world and out of a, a life of sin and degradation to a life of hope, uh, a life that is used by his glory and for his glory. So it, that was kind of the beginning of the germination of the the talking about men of God, and we went to the Revelation and began to ask each other and talk about the two characters of the two witnesses that are described in uh, Revelation chapter 11. We said, you know, what would it, what kind of men will they be? You know, are they alive today? You know, and so 
he, we were joking back and forth, and, and I said, well, maybe you're one of those characters with all the power of God that's come through you. And he laughed, and he said the same thing to me, and kind of caught us off guard, actually. <laughs> right. But then the, the character in the main character in the book is the man that was taken by God in Genesis, Enoch. And Enoch was a man of God, and he was taken by God. And then the book's standpoint in the novel is that he is sent back by God to be a witness in the last days, and he has special understanding and a testimony, and uh, he comes back to earth to be able to share what God has shown him, even though when he comes, he has no memory of having been in heaven. Everything is taken from him, and he has to struggle by faith to believe because he has dreams. You know, the, the Scripture says that in the last day men will have dreams and visions and all these wonderful things. And so he has dreams, and the dreams tell him who he is and what, where he's been and all this kind of stuff. And he doesn't know whether to believe it or not. He thinks he's just having dreams. But uh, you'll have to read the book uh, if, if you're interested. But that, that was the germination. There was miracles and things that were happening, the talk that led to one thing, and then the revelations inside the novel came from a late-night wake-up from God, and he spoke some things into my spirit. And uh, I'm not. Uh, that's just going to be a spoiler, uh, yeah, <laughs> brother. Yeah. I'm not going to oh. tell everything, but but anyway, hopefully that gives you a little bit of information. Sure. I hope I haven't rattled on too long. Oh no, I love it. You're providing really good information. Tell me, why did you set the book in New Orleans? Why why Sin City? Well, there's an interesting kind of a supernatural story to that. When I was set free of the spirit of addiction and, the, and the, the desire for alcohol, cigarettes, drugs was cleansed from my life in a moment by the power of God, I prayed and I said, Lord, what am I to do with my life? And all of the old drinking buddies started telling me, you need to be a minister. And I'd look at them and say, are you out of your mind? And I'd say, why would you say that? And I'd get the response over and over again. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I, you're just supposed to be a minister. I, why, why would you, what do you mean by that? I don't know. And it was so funny. And so anyway, there was a gentleman that my mother was dating that uh, called me to his house, and he said, Bruce, and this is after about 15 to 20 people told me the same thing. And this is my mother's boyfriend. He's the kind of a guy, he's not a godly man, uh, uh, kind of a rough character. He calls me to his house, and I had prayed that day, and I said, Lord, if it's your will for me to be a minister, and all these people, you're trying to speak to me through all these people, then let me know that you can provide my way. If I'm I didn't even know where a college was, or I didn't even know what all that was. So this man called me and uh, to his house, and he said, Bruce, I've got to tell you something. And I said, okay. And he was a good Catholic, uh, not very religious, but you know how that is. And uh, he said, Bruce, uh, you're supposed to be a minister. And I just about floored myself thinking, what in the world is going on? And I said, well, Richard, you know, you're not really all that religious. He said, well, you know, when I was a kid, I was an altar boy. And I said, well, okay, great. I said, why would you say that to me? He said, well, Bruce, you're supposed to be a minister. That's all I know. He said, but that's not it. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I'm supposed to pay your way. Oh, my. And I looked at the man who would, he's the kind of a guy that wouldn't have given his mother a nickel, you know. Mm -hmm. 
And I looked at him baffled, and I said, Richard, what did you say? He said, I'm supposed to pay your way. And I said, why in the world would you do that? And this is his statement. He said, I don't know. I've never done anything for God. Wow. And I knew, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God was real. He had answered a prayer. So I came to New Orleans because after college, and this is before I even went to college, I left, went to college, studied religion major and all this normal stuff you do. And then it was time to go to seminary, and I didn't know where to go. And Richard calls me and says, wherever you want to go in the world, I'll take you. And I said, well, <laughs> let's go. So uh, how it ended up in New Orleans, we were actually, uh, one of my Greek professors from college went to Mid-America Seminary as, as the uh, head of the New Testament studies there, Dr. Richard Bellick. I hope nobody minds me mentioning his name, an awesome man of God, loving to death, but he he left uh, the college at, in West Palm Beach to go there. And so I had some friends. I thought, well, there's New Orleans Seminary, and, and uh, Richard said, well, you ought to check it out. And I said, yeah, that's, let's do that. We'll, we'll check it out on the way up to Mid-America, but it's, I'm not really considering it. So we drove, and we came into New Orleans, and the joy of the Lord began to flood my soul. Wow. And I'm laughing, and I'm looking around this dirty, ugly city, and I'm saying, are you kidding me? Why is the joy of the Lord in my spirit here? And so I knew that that was the place. And so I ended up going to the New Orleans Seminary, uh, the Baptist Seminary. Now, I wasn't a very good Baptist because I uh, was full of the Spirit before I ever set foot in the doors. But that's where the Lord put me, by his divine providence, and that I might learn to be someone who sought God through the Word and through uh, the wisdom of the Spirit and the, and the wisdom of the Word. And so I ended up in New Orleans. And, of course, you should write what you know. And one thing that uh, was neat is we started a business when I was in seminary, and uh, the business uh, provided jobs for seminary students. So we were all over New Orleans doing contracting work and putting, uh, we put about 66 students through school that way wow, and helped them you. to pay their way and pay their bills. So it was, it was an awesome ride, but that's how it ended up in New Orleans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you happen to go to the, the seminary at the time when Chuck Kelly was president? Chuck Kelly, is he not still president? Yes. Uh, yes. He was actually, Landrum Level was the uh, president when I was attending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took classes under Chuck, Chuck Kelly, and he was the first doctorate in evangelism wow. uh, to graduate from the seminary. Uh, and so we uh, often went down to the uh, the projects and preached the gospel. And went, well, He went was from, used to uh, it. He had a background. I knew him when... Uh, we were both at the Bob Harrington's ministry, the chaplain wow. of Bourbon Street. We were together. He was studying Greek in his office. He'd walk by with his business cards, you know, his three-by-five note cards studying Greek. And I had oh, wow. so much respect for Chuck. Is he Absolutely. still president? I believe he is. I believe he That's is still amazing. president. I'd love to and, connect uh, with him. It, a, a blessing because he's a soul winner. And yes. I'll tell you, we, we all need to be soul winners in, in his classes. I had the privilege of uh, leading people to the Lord and uh, sharing the gospel all over the French Quarter and with, uh, with people. So it's I watched him a do wonderful it. blessing. I watched him go up and down Bourbon Street with tracks and do it with Bob Harrington and others. 
He was amazing. I learned a lot from him. And that was a lot. That was 30 years ago, at least, I think. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't age us too much, brother. Uh, I'm up there, brother. (laughs) I'm not really (laughs) too ashamed of it. I I, I know the feeling. (laughs) I'm just glad I can still remember it. Amen. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about some of your ministry. Where have you pastored? Uh, I've pastored in uh, Baptist churches for the most part. Um, I've pastored Franklinton. Uh, I've uh, pastored in uh, Carrier, Mississippi, Franklinton, um, uh, Louisiana, not, not Franklin. I think there, no, it's Franklin, Tennessee, not there. Right. <laughs> but Franklinton uh, did a lot of evangelism when I was in college. In my younger years, I preached for the Florida Baptist Convention and, and some different things. And um I also have always worked for a living. Um, I felt like I always wanted to really do the ministry side of life uh, for as little or no pay as possible. So I often would go to places and help them and do things like that. And the Lord's blessed business for me. And uh, I've had the privilege of running two companies, and, um, and they were prosperous. And so that gave me the freedom to open up our ministry that we've been doing for years now called The Secret Place. Okay, tell us about that. What I, I, I can't wait to hear more about it because I've heard you speak of it, and I've also heard about it, a place for pastors to retreat and get restored. So tell us about how, why you started it, what God gave you, and about the ministry itself. Well, what the Lord gave me was I began to realize through the years, and as as a pastor, you know, um, there's an old saying that the sheep bite, and <laughs> and we're supposed to shepherd the flock of sheep, but a lot of people don't realize that pastors get bit a lot, and men of God are no different than your average person, that we struggle with the same issues of life that anyone else does. You know, the tempter is always about... Uh, there can be all kinds of situations. You can be abused and used and burned up in churches oftentimes. And so one of the things that was in my heart for many years, I found myself being a counselor to pastors. And in the right spirit and heart, we would try to take our brothers that were hurting, restore them, re-encourage them again in their first call, and to remind them of what it was like to be in the presence of God. A lot of times when our life is upside down, we can't remember what it was like to be in the presence of love, to see the light, to feel the glory of the presence of God. And someone has to sometimes come in and remind us how good it was and that this is only a season, and this season is by design. You know, there, there are four baptisms uh, in the New Testament. The first is immersion into the body of Christ. The second is into water. The third is into the Spirit. And the fourth one is in fire. Yes. And the truth is, is that it is that fiery baptism that begins to bring up the stuff inside of us that we don't want to see. You know, and God has to allow that baptism of fire in order for that dross to bubble up. It's easy to love God in the midst of the good times. But when the fires come on, then God is doing that and allowing that so that we can see what he sees and that we have a choice to overcome those things. And as we see them, he says, all right, what are you going to do with that? 
you see there's really some darkness there. There's some areas that you're not walking in faith. Uh, you're not letting peace reign and rule in your heart. You're allowing a spirit of fear to, to influence your life, and that is not of me. And so what we do is we help those pastors to really understand the depth and the beauty of the Spirit of God and to understand that even when we're going through the fire, be of good cheer for the Lord is still with you. He's never left or forsaken you. That's a good word. The problem is, is that if you're not focused on Him, then you're going to see only the darkness. It's time to turn around and get your eyes back where they belong. Amen. And it's good to have help. And it is absolutely good to have someone there that isn't condemning you, isn't, you know, so often, uh, what is the Christian church is the army that kills their wounded. You know, what is up with that? Uh, we, We should be binding up and strengthening our brethren when they fail, because look, in this flesh, we will have tribulation. And we put up those ministers on such a high place, and they're supposed to never, listen, the enemy of God is about tempting and, and all the manner of stuff that goes on. And the ministry of the secret place is where we brought we bring ministers in, and uh, they will stay with us. They can stay for a few days. They can stay up to a week. Uh, we have a beautiful facility that we built, and my businesses have been the sustaining uh, financial revenue for that ministry. Where is this ministry? This ministry is located in Picayune, Mississippi. Picayune, Mississippi. Picayune, Mississippi. You can look it up on the website at thesecretplace.net. Thesecretplace.net. You know, I taught at the University of Southern Mississippi, taught at Hattiesburg, and uh, taught at Southeastern and Hammond and McNeese. I've I've taught over the Southeast quite a bit. That's, it's a beautiful area, and uh, I built the facility. It's a gorgeous facility. It has an indoor swimming pool, workout room, game room, bedrooms, laundry room, kitchen. I mean, it's a gorgeous facility, and you can see some pictures of it on, on the, uh, the website. Okay. But the purpose of it, my pastor came to me when I built it, and uh, he, said, he said, well, Brother Bruce, he said, what are we going to charge? Mm-hmm. And I thought about it, and I said, nothing. He said, but now, you know, it costs money to run this place. I said, yes, it does. He said, well, some of us, they can afford it. I said, maybe they can. That's not the point. Everything we do in the kingdom should be done from a right and true motive. And that's got to be the motive of love. Look, if we give our bodies to be burned, speak in tongues, know all things, and are not motivated by the right spirit, it counts for nothing before God. And I said, here's my problem, Pastor. I said, if I charge these men, I will be tempted to look at them as a paycheck. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to give the devil place to come and say, well, did they give to the ministry? Did they not give? And all of those things that go on with the love of money. I'm a businessman, so I understand money. I understand finances. And yes, I understand the need for it. And the labor's worthy of his hire. But for me, I didn't want to have the tempter coming and causing me to look at my brother like a paycheck. And what I wanted for them was quite simply that you know, if you come to the secret place, you know that you know that you know that you're not there because of what we'll get out of it. You cannot pay. You're there 
because of the heart of God that loves you. And that's kind of kind of the heart of that ministry. How do you get the word out, and how do pastors find you? Usually, uh, most of the ministers that have come to us have come from word of mouth, and uh, we've had folks stay from from Africa, from Mexico, from you know, from all over. And uh, there's no charge to come. What we do is we just love on them, we just encourage them, we help them to be healed. Is the truth because there can be a lot of wounds in this world, and so that's Amen. that's our heart is to see our brethren instead of being destroyed. Uh, by the issues of life, to be invigorated, strengthened, lifted up. And so they can, they can reach us at that website at thesecretplace.net. Okay. So I know we're in uh, pastor appreciation season. I think the month of October as a whole is pastor appreciation month. And I know that you've got strong opinions about this, but what, what can a church do for their pastor to give more support and to be less biting? Well, I, I think you have to realize that, that pastors are people, and, uh, you know, that we're all in the boat together. Uh, and I don't know if a congregation, because, uh, you know, people are so opinionated, and, you know, they can get in fights over, you know, the pew color, for heaven's sakes. Um, but the, the point is, is that, that a pastor should be uh, understood that he is the authority in that local church, and he should have the respect due the authority. This is so important, and there's some biblical lessons that are, that are critical to this understanding. Like when uh, Aram and Miriam uh, began to murmur against Moses, and uh, they, they basically were saying, have we not heard God? And, all, and suddenly God calls them out of the tent and said, were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And he was the authority. Now, you, what one of the things they were murmuring about is that he married a woman that was not of the lineage. That and so they thought, well, how you know, goodness gracious, he's not just perfect. So you know, we need we need to take over here. And God called him out. And we've got to be very careful before we touch God's anointed. And we've got to really have the same honor and respect because if God gives authority. We need to respect that authority. Yes. And uh, this will sound very strange to some of uh, the listeners. But, you know, Satan does what he does by God's divine authority. God gave him the authority to be the God of this age, and he has a purpose in that. Uh, we, we dig into some of those kind of things. And Michael dare not bring railing accusation against the devil when disputing over the body of Moses. Why? The kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of darkness. In the kingdom of God, there's absolute respect for authority. And even, uh, I was talking to some folks, I said, you know, even the angel of death is under the authority of God, and he will go out in the last days riding on a pale horse, and God sent him to the Assyrians, and he sent him uh, to the firstborn of Egypt, and I said, you know, he's doing what he does, but what he gets for all his trouble is he'll be the last angel thrown into the lake of fire, because you do not rebel against the authority of the living God. That's and right. that's, uh, that's kind of an interesting reality there, uh, but uh, uh, that'll, that'll tweak your theology just a little bit, won't it? It, it does some tweaking. Well, <laughs> we've come near the end of this podcast, and I sure want to give you an opportunity to Tell us where we can find uh, your book, uh, The Beginning. Absolutely. Well, if we could mention it right now, would that be appropriate? Please do. Talk to us. 
Well, uh, the beginning can be found at any bookstore uh, in the country. Uh, They can look it up and order it for you and have it in a few days if they don't have it in stock. Many, many of the Christian bookstores are going to be carrying it, especially in the fall and in the uh, Christmas, and they've told the publisher they want the book. It's had a lot of uh, positive, it's just been out of very, just a few weeks, but okay. there's already been some five-star reviews, um, wow. and people are very excited about getting the book. Is it on Amazon? It's on Amazon, absolutely, and it's on Nook, so you can order online. You can also order from the website, brucescampbell.com. Okay, brucescampbell.com, great. Brucescampbell.com. Great. Now, just before we sign off, then, is there a last thought that you would have for our listeners, a word of encouragement, an exhortation? You know, we hear so much gloom and doom today. What, uh, what do you have to say to God's people? Well, I think what I would say is in the midst of the things we never thought was possible, the legalization of sodomy to the removal of prayer and, uh, and all of these things, that we are on a track that is designed prophetically by God, and that We are not to be afraid nor yield to the spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And what I would like to encourage our brethren that are listening is that fear is exactly what God has said it is in the Scripture. It is a spirit, and we don't want that spirit ministering to us. We don't want to receive it. We don't want to hear it. What we want to do is be empowered in the spirit of life, which is the Holy Spirit, that brings love, that brings peace. How do you know if you're walking in the spirit? Well, some people think it's gifts, but you know, you can speak with tongues of men and angels, but if you're not motivated by the right spirit, it doesn't count to God. And so we've got to be motivated by the right spirit. And let me tell you how the litmus test of understanding. If you're not at peace, you are not walking in the spirit. That's really a good word. Well, brother, it's been such a pleasure to spend time with you, and I know our listeners will appreciate your words, your exhorting, and certainly this new book of yours. It's certainly set in the city of New Orleans. It's going to be interesting, and I, I know our people will like it. Looking forward to them reading it. There's some deep, very deep truths that came from Revelation in that book. You can find the book at your favorite bookstore. You can find it at brucescampbell.com. And we really hope that you buy this book today and share it with others. Buy one for your pastor for Pastor Appreciation Month. And don't forget the secret place as a place to offer up to your pastor. Send him there. It's free of charge. And help him get restarted and refreshed and a little time of, uh, of rest and restoration. So again, we've been visiting with just a great man and a good man of God, The Beginning, Prelude to the Apocalypse by Bruce Campbell. Brother, thank you so much, and God bless you. Thank you, Dr. Green. And thanks to all of our listeners on Charisma Connection. This is Steve Green. God bless you all. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.